I always enjoy watching those pictures, and I know that those aren't all of our graduates. You know, we honor them in different ways of, you know, some choosing to stand up or be part of the reception or pictures and things like that. But as I watch some of those pictures, I kind of think about everything that you've done. Like, even if I don't know everything, I think about some of the things that you have accomplished, maybe since those small baby pictures up to your senior uh, picture photo, and just thinking about all the things that you have accomplished and done. But sometimes as I watch those pictures, I also then just begin to think about the future and the things that you will accomplish in the near future or far down the road. In fact, it's always interesting just, you know, when we do our child dedication, usually a couple weeks before this, my mind as I'm listening to the parents, um, you know, say, this is what we're going to do. And I'm watching them hold their children, some of which are cooperating and some which are not. I just think about how that time is going to pass from the time that they're standing up here until this graduation weekend. And, and some of you parents would say that it goes so, so quickly. And so this day we, we celebrate the graduates and the things that they have done, but I also want to point you forward today. I want you to think about a choice, a specific choice. Um, and that choice is this idea of choosing to serve God. And you may say, well, well, I already do, so I don't really need to listen to the sermon. Well, that's not the way it works. There are things that God wants you to hear today, even if you already would consider yourself someone who serves God. And so I think about what Joshua said back in the Old Testament, you know, after he's leading the people of Israel, after Moses has passed away, and they have gone into the promised land and conquered most of it. And at the end, kind of near the end of his life, he's talking to all the people. He says, I want you today to choose this day who you're going to serve. Is it going to be the father, or is it going to be the gods that our forefathers served back on the opposite side of the river? Is it going to be the gods that all these other nations choose to serve, or will you choose God? And then he emphatically says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so you watch Joshua, and even the people who are following after him, they choose to follow God until the next generation that comes. And you see that their hearts are turned aside. And so we got into the book of Judges. We were studying in the story and how his people would, would turn their hearts and worship some other god. So he would allow them to go into slavery or servitude to them until they cried out to God, please save us. And so God would send a judge, a military person to come and rescue them. And they would choose to serve God again for a while until it all happened again. And then we read after the time of Judges how Israel says, we want a king. And so we read about how God appoints Saul and then David and then Solomon are these kings of Israel. And how there's a lot of times that they make good choices in following after God and leading the people to follow after God. And yet they're not perfect. Each of them had moments that you would just go, man, that was not a choice to serve God. And then we see the kingdom split. And we've talked about this again, how Israel has these kings that none of them chose to serve God and they did not lead the people in serving God. But Judah had some kings that did and some that did not. And because of that, they lasted longer than Israel. But now, as of last week, they are taken into exile. They are taken captives by Babylon. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Daniel, because we're going to be reading out of that. In fact, we'll have the references up on the screen, but we're going to read the text from um, his word. And so as you're turning there, I, I want you to realize that the uh, people from Judah are now in captivity, and they're going to be there for approximately 70 years. 
All right, God has been watching over them, but now they are going to be in this exile. And we see that even um, words of last week as they're getting taken into captivity, that there are words of hope. That yes, it's going to be 70 years, but that 70 years will come to an end. And even during that time, God has not left them. Yes, there's this moment that they're needing to be disciplined and eyes opened up to really serving God, but he has not left them. One important lesson that every single one of us has to learn in this life is this, that circumstances are not the deciding factor as to whether you or whether I will choose to follow God or not. Circumstances do not determine that. Do they influence it? Absolutely. But no matter the situation, you and I, we always have a choice of will we choose to serve God or not. And in the book of Daniel, we read about certain individuals that they make this choice. I am going to serve God. I'm going to follow him. Even if the circumstances in their life are not ideal. I mean, they are in exile. And as we take a closer look at these individuals and events, I simply want to ask you three questions this morning. There are three questions kind of based off the text that only you can answer for yourself. So here's the first question. Will you serve God in new beginnings? Will you serve God in new beginnings? In Daniel chapter 1, that's where we're going to start. In verse 3, we have kind of this intro text after we've seen that they've been taken into exile. So starting in verse 3, it says, Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, and they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some, of the Ju- or were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names, to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. And so Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please, test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat the servants in accordance with what you see. And so he agreed to this, and he tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. And so the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink, and he gave them vegetables instead. 
You know what, we read this text here and Daniel and these men, they're standing there and all this food from the king's table is there as options that they can eat and drink. And they say, we don't want to defile ourselves. Most scholars would tell you that that means there was food and drink there that went against what God had put back in the books of the law, saying these are things that are clean and unclean. And so in this moment, they say, even with all this, we're not going to defile ourselves. In and of itself, that's a pretty amazing choice saying this is not what we're gonna do. But they're not just in a vacuum in this moment. If you think about this act, they are now living in a new land. Not the land that they've been raised and have grown up in, but now they're in this new land. They have been given these new teachings, and yes, it's just started, but all these Babylonian ways and our religious ways and these kind of things, they're being taught all these new things. They're even giving these, given these new names, which maybe you wonder why. It's because these new names point towards other gods, not the God that they have served. And so in this instance where they have been taken out of what is familiar to this place of new, they say, we are going to serve God. And so some of you graduates from high school specifically are about to go into college. And you know what? That is a new land. Like even if you still continue to live at home, that is a new land that you are going into. Will there be new teachings? Yes. There will be new teachings that you hear, maybe in classrooms, maybe in the dorms, maybe just in, in uh, interactions with other people that you have to cipher through you'll kind of have new identities. And not that it changes who you are, but people will know you, you know, for differing things. You know what? There's going to be this idea of new friendships. A few weeks ago when I was talking to some of the college-age students at our college group meeting, I just said, hey, what was something that happened in college that, like, you really weren't expecting? It was interesting how every single one of them said this word, loneliness. There's this idea of I've kind of grown comfortable with everything in high school and middle school. Even if I don't have a large friend group, I kind of know how things go. And all of a sudden, I am put in this new place. And so I have to find where do I fit? Who has the same kind of um, beliefs as I do and, th- and goals as I do? And so there's this kind of loneliness. Even to the people who stayed at home and drove to college, they said things change as I watch my friends go off. And so there's this loneliness that happens. And I would encourage you in this new beginning to make the most of who can I find to connect with. Make that a priority. Make that a priority to find it in church. Where can I find this place that I fit You know what? Even if you're not a graduate of high school, but you're college, you're about ready to go into this work field that very much will have differing things. And and a lot of you in this room maybe don't even fit in either one of those. But as we're talking about new beginnings, you're about to enter a new job or you just have. Maybe your new beginning is you are about to get married or again, you just have. Your new beginning may be buying a house or having a child. Or maybe your new beginning is you're about to be an empty nester And this is going to change. Maybe there's some huge event, or maybe hypothetically, there's a worldwide pandemic that's going to happen. And so therefore, it is a new beginning. And whatever that new change is that will be in your life, it's going to bring around some new opportunities. But there will also be new difficulties that come with that as well. And so will you be the type of person to say that no matter what the circumstances are, I will serve God? This morning, there may be some of you in church or watching online for the very first time in a long time. And if I were to ask you why you were here, you might tell me the real answer, but you might not. Maybe there's some things going on at home or in work, and like, if you're being honest, you're like, I'm really just kind of hurting. Like, and I'm trying to find some kind of healing. 
Maybe you're trying to, you see things falling apart and you're looking for hope. Or you're trying to figure things out and you're looking for answers for something that works. And if that's you, I pray that this morning you would see truth. That you would feel truth. That you would know without a doubt truth. And that this can even be a new beginning starting today. And so this first question from this sermon today, from the book of Daniel, that each of you have to answer yourself. The person sitting next to you can't answer it. You have to answer, will I serve God in new beginnings? The second question is this, will you serve God only? Will you serve God only? And so in chapter three, which is where we're going to be reading from in just a second, what you need to know is in this moment, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has built this statue. And he says, everyone is supposed to bow down to it when all these musical instruments play. And there's these certain officials who are jealous of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're looking over here and going, why are these people from another land on the same level as far as jobs as us? And they notice that when this music plays, these three men do not bow down. And say they, so they go to King Nebuchadnezzar and say, hey, didn't you say when the music plays you should bow down? He says, yes. And they say, well, there are these three men. They neither serve your gods or worship your idol. And so that's what they say to the king. So we're going to pick up in verse 13 of chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 13. Here's Nebuchadnezzar's response. It says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music... If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Like if we're thrown into the burning furnace, uh, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, our king, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than the usual, and he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. And so these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, O king. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. And Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the royal officials crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair, of their, uh, a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, 
and there was no smell of fire on them. So in our story, the events here, there is this image, this statue, this idol, and these three men say, we will not bow down. And I don't know if you caught this, but they aren't 100% sure that God's going to save them. Like you and I, we know the ending because we get to read it in this text. It's like, yeah, I could have stood there going, hey, this is what I'm going to do. But they don't know for certain that God's going to save them. Are they confident that he will? Yeah. He says, our God has the power to save us. But even if he doesn't, even if he chooses not to save us, he is worth worshiping. We will not bow to this idol. You know what, in this situation, it's not simply just not doing something God doesn't like. This is giving worship to another thing, another God. And we've talked about how other gods or idols can come in many forms. Simply something that we place before God that even can be good things. And in the sermon last week, Rick talked about how these things, these idols, they really don't meet our needs. The cisterns that we try to build to get water from, they let us down because we still leave thirsty after drinking from them. The reason is because you and I were never created to drink from those cisterns. Instead, each of us has been made to worship God. We have been made in his image. We have been made to find joy in him. We have been made to do good works that he has prepared for us. Graduates, you guys are going to be going into some places that are pretty worldly. Some of you even graduating from college, the world, the job that you have is going to be somewhat worldly with the ideas or the actions all around you. And you need to remember the truth that you are not of this world. Every single one of us is just visiting. We are made for eternity. And you're going to have the choice whether to be part of the things that are going on around you or not. And again, in the college group, when we were talking about college, we talked about this idea of that was the time frame in our lives that we really made a lot of choices. Like I get it in high school, middle school, you make choices, but your parents are still there to guide you in a lot of things. Sometimes they'll let you fail a little bit so that way you learn underneath their wings. But man, when you're going off to college, that's where a lot of your choices come into play. And hopefully you make those choices built on the foundation that your parents have invested in you, that the church has invested in you, that the friends have invested in you. Sometimes in those situations, people are gonna maybe say, well, you know what, this choice is not really that bad. Like God doesn't really care about it so much. Like I can do this. And we kind of say, it's not like I'm bowing down to an idol. Like we kind of justify it. But I look at this text. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they could have justified things too. They could have said, you know what? My life is pretty important. What if I just like bow down, but I don't really mean it? I mean, God knows my heart, right? So we could bow down to this thing and kind of be like everybody else, but God really knows what's going on. But they chose not to. They didn't try to justify sin. You see, when you and I bow our knee to something other than God, we're not bowing to him. So the question is, will you serve God only? Now, when I use this word serve, I don't mean like don't be a servant to other people. I mean, it's biblical to serve your spouse, your kids, you know, people at work, your neighbor, everyone that you come in contact with. So if you go home and try to tell your family, yep, not going to serve you today because that's what Andy said in, in uh, the sermon, then that will not end up well for you. And I'm going to deny that that's what I ever meant. But when I talk about serving, I mean this idea of worshiping as a true authority. And God wants us to serve him only. 
And you know what? As I look at this specific event from Daniel, I'm reminded of how helpful it is to have people around you that believe. Believe the same thing that you do, that you don't have to bow down, you know, stand against that by yourself, but you can have confidence because you're not standing alone. But what if no one else is there with you? What about all the even ifs? Like even if everybody else does bow, will you serve God only? Even if everybody else cheats, will you serve God only? Even if everybody else is choosing to lie, even if they're like just little white lies, will you serve God only? Even if everyone else starts to say, hey, these new truths, this is, it's such a better way to live. Will you serve God only? Or what about these even ifs? Even if God doesn't rescue you from the fire, will you serve God only? Even if you get fired from your job for choosing integrity, even if every single month it seems like your finances are really tight, even if you're in a situation where it seems like your spouse doesn't seem to care for you, even if it seems like your health isn't getting any better or someone else's health continues to decrease? Or what about the moment that you keep trying and trying and trying to get pregnant, but you cannot? And all the while of these things, you're wondering, God, why are you not rescuing me? Even if, will you serve God only? Because even if he doesn't step in, and I wish I could tell you as to your specific reason, hey, here's what God's doing, but I can't tell you that. But I can tell you that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would tell you, even if he doesn't rescue you from your situation, he is worth being worshipped. And so whether you've grown up in church or today is the first day, could I encourage you to kind of take a step back and look at your life and see if there are any idols in the place that God has. And if there are, I pray that God will give you eyes to see that those idols really don't fulfill, not long-term, and that he'll give you a heart to want to follow after him only. So the second question that, again, only you can answer for yourself is, will I serve God only? The third and final question is this. Will you serve God to the end? Will you serve God to the end? You see, Daniel was probably a teenager when he was taken into Babylon there back in Daniel chapter 1, kind of around the age of a lot of you graduates right now. But he earned these high positions with the king, and then he kept those positions with the next king and the next king. And even when another country comes in and overtakes Babylon, Daniel is still kept at this position of power. And so by the time we get to Daniel chapter 6, he's probably somewhere between 60 and 75 years old. So some of those pictures of Daniel being young in the lion's den probably are not so accurate. But we're going to read out of Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 3, about serving God to the end. It says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself, the administrators and the satraps, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. And finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. 
And so the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king, and they said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. And now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. And so King Darius put the decree in writing. And now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. And so we have another case of people being jealous. This outsider is actually promoted above us. And so they try to trap Daniel, but he is so full of integrity that they can't find any dirt on him. And the only way that they get the upper hand is if they create this law that goes against Daniel's God. And when faced with this new law, Daniel chooses to continue to serve God. And if you're to keep reading, you'll see that Daniel is thrown into the lion's den, even though the king does not want this outcome. And the king says these words as he is being thrown in. He says, may the God whom you serve continually rescue you. And he can't sleep all night. And quickly, as, as early as the morning that he can, he runs out and he yells, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lion's? This king, who was not a follower of God, sees Daniel has faithfully followed him his entire life. And I'm reminded of Nick's message just a couple weeks ago, where he talked about the million dollars versus the quarters in regards to us giving God everything. That for many of us, the way that we serve is not one huge ultimate life-giving opportunity, but it's one act of love, one small moment at a time. And that's what Daniel has been doing his entire life. And as you look at those quarters that are given to you, remember this, that God wants you to finish strong. I remember a story that my preaching professor told us in college that he said he was a long distance runner in high school and so it was time for the mile and they had all these skinny guys up at the line ready to start and one guy that you could tell threw the shot put. And so he was there ready to race everyone else and the starter says, ready, set, bang, and it goes. And the shot put thrower takes off sprinting. And he's way in front of everybody else and then he's making a gap that's pretty wide until the gap begins to get smaller. After about the first lap, you see him slow down and the rest of the runners catch him and then begin to pass him on the second lap. And then on the third lap, like that gap is getting bigger and bigger and the shot put runner, if you call it still a running pace, is getting farther and farther behind. And on the third lap, when everyone else is way ahead of him on the back stretch, he stops and leans over, he goes, Humph, and stands up and walks off the track. And he doesn't finish the race. You see, even though he started well, he didn't finish. And it is important that you and I, we serve God until the end of our lives. Like, I hope you've started well. Or I hope that whatever lap you're on, you're continuing to run it well. But I tell you, you need to finish the race. Faithfully serve him. It's stated in both the Old and New Testament, these words, that we are to love the Lord our God with all our hearts and soul and mind and strength. And so wherever you are in this journey called life, will you serve God faithfully to the end? 
And even if this is your first day hearing this message of God in a long time or the first to ever understand it, I hope that you realize it is never too late to start serving him. This God who rescued the exiles wants to rescue you too. And so Daniel would tell you that no matter what happens in your life and no matter the amount of choices you have to make in this life, you need to choose to serve God until the end. But again, that's a question that only you can answer for yourself. You know, this sermon hasn't really been pointed at Jesus. We have mentioned this idea of serving God again and again. And this is the God that never left his people, even when they had been unfaithful to him. This is the God who became flesh to save all of mankind to whoever would choose him. This is the God who knows how life should be lived to the best, to the fullest. This is the God who has all peace and mercy and grace and joy and freedom and at his disposal. And he wants you to have it, just as the songs we were singing a while ago. And this is the God that wants to spend eternity with you. He wants to spend eternity with you. And if you have never chosen to let him save you and be Lord of your life, today could be a new beginning. And even though it is true that the most important thing is not how you start, but how you finish, you still have to start sometime. You have to start sometime. And so why not today? So if you have a decision to make to follow Jesus, I'd encourage you to go to the decision point during this next song or online click to talk to Sam. Let me just tell you this. The song that we're singing, probably a lot of you know it, it's called 10,000 Reasons. And it's all about choosing to bless God or serve God. And it's pretty amazing, actually, as I was looking at it, the first verse talks about this new day. Whatever's gonna happen today, God, I'm gonna choose to serve you this new beginning. The second verse, it describes this God that we serve. And I think about comparing him versus these idols. And it's like, nope, I'm going to choose to serve him only. And the third verse talks about, you know what? At the very end of my life, I still want to be serving. I still want to be following after you. And so may this song, as we sing it, be a declaration of our hearts, whether you're a graduate, whether you're at some other stage of your life, whether you've been following God for some time or you choose him today, because you're the only one that gets to answer those three questions for your life. Will you choose to serve God? So we're going to stand and sing. And if you have a decision to make, please go to the decision point. Will you guys stand as we sing?